if you don't bet on yourself, like nobody else should. And so I'm not saying go and do remote closing. I'm not saying go and do anything in particular. What I am saying is when you feel in your gut that like you have something, you have an opportunity in front of you that could literally get you what you actually want. The only person you're doing a disservice by not taking action is yourself because how you show up for yourself is how you show up for everybody. So bet on yourself, be in your own corner. That's what I would say. All right, what's going on? Aaron here back once again from the Remote Closing Academy podcast. And in this episode, we got something special for you. Now, about every five to seven episodes or so, we'll bring in a team member from the RCA team, um, someone that works you know, with either a closer or setter, and just give their stories and then also get really tactical about the things that they can do or that you could do watching this to see success within the remote closing industry. Now, the interesting thing about Matei, the guy that we're going to be talking to today, is he's actually the setter lead. He's the setter manager of all the appointment setters. So he's really the guy to talk to, especially in our team where we're, you know, operating a really high level. He's the guy that you talk to if you want to become one of the best, if not the best setter in the industry. And I've seen, you know, a ton of people come under his leadership and just absolutely crush it from the teachings and call reviews and all the things that he does to pour into his team. So kind of a longer intro here, but I wanted to set the stage so you guys just see how valuable this interview is and how much you can learn as long as you listen to, uh, you know, all the way through the end. So with all that being said, let's go ahead and jump into this interview with Matei. With that being said, Matei, how's the week been? How, how's everything going? Dude, Aaron, you are too kind. I, I don't think I've had that nice of an intro on anywhere I've been before, so. Let's go. I love it. All right, and so you, you know, you've, you've listened to some of the, the snippets in the podcast in the past, so you know that one of the things that we do is we take a step back and really, you know, learn more about how you got started. And I know you've been in sales for a little bit, but let's just like take it back even before sales. Like what, what was, who was Matei before all that? Yeah. So dude, before sales, I was just a little kid. Um, I, so I got out of my birthday's in December. So I was always like the young one doing things. And so I got out of high school at like 17 still, and I got into college and I did like an accelerated program. So it was two years to be done. And it was all about music, music production, audio production, business management, all that kind of stuff. So it was kind of cool. And, um, I was doing that and like three months before I was set to graduate, I found out that my now wife uh was pregnant and i was like here i am like 19 turning 20 i'm like fuck <laughs> not ready you know not ready for that um but it kind of forced me to like grow up quick because like next thing i knew baby was born and like i needed to start making money and so i started working for like a telecom company and i was just doing like tech support it was literally the only job i could get i was working like four in the morning it was terrible um but like they started allowing us to do upsales um, and I've always been like, I've always wanted to like make the most money possible and like be the best. I have this, okay, people are going to hate me for saying this, but I have this saying, I have, <laughs> I have this saying, it's kind of like a joke, but it's kind of true. I genuinely have this feeling inside that like, I'm better at most things than most people. <laughs> yeah. And it's, first of all, it's Jeff, funny Jeff, because I have to clip that out. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Leave it. But here's the thing. I'm like a really fast learner. So it's funny because whenever I pick something up and I do really well, I look at my wife and I'm like, Huh? <laughs> you know. Anyways, so this that that make you'll see the you'll see the relevance here. So here I am at the tech company doing tech sales. I'm like trying to be the best. There's like a bunch of metrics that you can meet, like KPIs, and then you can exceed and you can become the best on team. I wanted to become like a team lead, the fastest team lead ever. That was like my big goal, you know. Then they started to let us do upsells. So whenever somebody had a problem that you could fix by selling them something, you could sell it. And they would give you five bucks for upset every upsell. And I had the most upsells out of everybody. I never did any sort of sales training. I just was kind of natural at it and make people laugh. And it's this whole thing, you know? Um, and then they didn't pay me any of the money they owed me, which is oh, kind of frustrating. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, this is no, no bueno. It's been like eight months. Uh, I didn't see like the upward momentum that I needed. I had like these big dreams and, you know, visions of what I wanted. And the baby, you know? <laughs> Yeah. So I, uh, I quit that and I jumped into a software sales gig. I did that for like five years. Um, I was, a I was a sales trainer. I grew from like a junior account exec to like a regular account exec to the sales trainer on the team. And so here I am, I think I know like everything about sales and I knew it was good, but dude, like I was kind of capped at like 70 K a year. And I knew like, it was funny. Cause at the time I was thinking so small, I had this, like, my big goal was like, if I could get to like 80 grand a year, 
everything would be perfect. That was like my big dream. You know, I was like, dude, 80K, I did all the math. I like broke down all the finances. I was like, dude, 80 grand, I'm living the life, you know? Uh, turns out that's not true, by the way. <laughs> and uh, I was there again, upper momentum mo mobility kind of started to stagnate. But I was like, I was, I was never really looking for anything else, even though I knew I wanted more because I was safe. You know, like everything was comfortable. I pay, I finally got to a point where I could pay my bills. I was like way in debt. So I had been paying my bills finally. I haven't really been able to save a lot of money, but I'm, but I'm getting by, you know, like food on the table, house overhead. I don't do extra curricular activities, but like everything's okay. You know? Yeah. And so I was kind of like stuck in this life because I could go try something new, but then like what? You know, like, then what if it fails? And then I have, like, I my wife's not working because she's taking care of the baby because then we had another baby. And, like, now it's this whole thing, right? And then all of a sudden, the two months before COVID, the company sent me a message while I was eating dinner. It was, like, 7 p.m. And they said, hey, don't come to work tomorrow. We're closing the doors. Mm. Out of the blue. It was, like, Sunday night. Monday, company didn't exist anymore. They went bankrupt. Just oh, man. overnight. Mm. And I was, like, what the fuck? I remember like literally sitting there like I was like crying because I didn't know what to do. I was like, I didn't have money saved. Rent was due in like three days. Uh, I didn't get my last paycheck. I didn't get any severance because they didn't exist anymore. So they didn't have to pay it. It was this whole thing. And I was like, shit. Uh, I paid off rent because it's like literally with the last money I had. 30 days was looking for a job. COVID had then hit mm -hmm. and nobody was hiring. And so I literally moved my wife and two kids into my mom's basement. Mm. And that was a big blow to the ego. That was a rough one for sure. And while I was there, I kind of realized that like, hey, this is an opportunity for me to like actually try something that I never would have tried ever in any other circumstance. And I started selling insurance, which was 100% commission. Never done anything 100% commission before. Mm -hmm. Thought I was great at sales. Because I, dude, I'm the sales trainer. You know what I mean? I was a sales trainer for like this big tech company. Like, what do you want? Get into insurance sales, flop miserably, miserably. Like I, dude, I was making like 3K a month, not even. Oh man. Um, and like what was shitty was you had to like call all like these people that were basically, it was basically like a bait and switch to call people that didn't really want insurance, to try to convince them to get on the phone with you, to then get on a Zoom call with them, to try to sell them to, you know what I mean? It was just, and then you have to like, support them all it was like this whole big process and it sucked and uh what i realized though was that what was interesting about it is however money however much money i generated for the company is how much money i made is like r directly proportionate to how much money i made mm -hmm. and so what i realized is like hey if i could just get actually better at sales if i could swallow my ego and take all this like knowledge of sales that i have and put it off the side and like just get better i'll make more money because like i have unlimited potential you know? yeah and so I, I was looking in the sales courses. I bought like a small, like $2,500 video sales course, um, went through that, started to get better. Now my income bumped from like 3K to 4K. And I was like, oh, it's working. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. working, you know? And so my income bumped to like 4K. Uh, and then the next month it was like four and a half, 5K. And then it kind of bottomed out. And I was like, okay, I need more training. I got to get even better, you know? <laughs> And so uh, I got roped into a $15,000 US uh, sales training mastermind where it literally was just like, uh, we have these group coaching calls uh, every single day for the week. Um, and that's, and then you have like a content you can go through. That was basically it for 15K. And uh, dude, it was really good to be honest. Like I got, I got a lot out of it. I grew my income to like eight grand and then I bought them, I like topped out because basically it was all up to my time. Like I was still spending too much time doing all the stuff that didn't actually make me money. You know what I mean? Selling was only like two hours out of my eight, nine, 10 hour day. Yeah. Well, at, I, at this point, I'm just curious at this point, are you, are you still in, in the basement? Yeah. Yeah. This is all in the span of like nine months, all this like massive fucking shifts. Yeah. So yeah, we're still in the basement and I'm like, dude, if I want to get out of the basement. I got to make more money. You know what I mean? I've already spent a shit ton of money though and I'm bottomed out and I realized that like the only other step I need to do is get into a different offer because like to be honest like I was kind of capped out by like all the non-selling that I was doing more or less and so I got out of that I linked up with Cole because I knew Cole was recruiting salespeople at the time and I was like hey Cole I was like I've been through this training like I'm really good at sales like can you put me on a, one of your clients offers you know 
And then they uh, they sent me a message, and I interviewed with Jacob at the time, who um, and he put me on an interview with Mitchell. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is weird. I was like, Mitchell works with Cole. So I did an interview with Mitchell. And then Mitchell's like, okay, I want you to interview with Cole. And I was like, huh, what's going on here? <laughs> Getting tossed around. What is happening? <laughs> so I got on with Cole and he's like, hey man, so like, uh, just to be completely candid, like I don't have any closing positions. Um, th- we did like a mock call or whatever. He's like, honestly, that was one of the better mock calls that I've had in a long time. Um, we don't have any closing positions open at the company, but I really would like you to be part of the team. And so if you're open to coming in starting as a setter for this new offer that we're launching, which is RCA. Um, he's like, it's going to suck. It's not going to be as nice as closing. You're going to be grinding for the next 12 months at least. But I promise you, you'll learn way more on this offer than you will on any other offer in the whole space. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck it, let's do it. <laughs> okay, dude, There's because uh, that's going to transition to like a lot of other like conversation about like RC and stuff, but I, I have a lot of questions. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I love like you helped me out a lot because you, you most people I usually have to like kind of pull it out of them. But you, you just like laid it all out there, which is good. Which is probably storyteller, what do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All the all the best salespeople are just kind of give me everything and like, all right, let's yeah. go. Um okay, so I want to go back to what you said. Um there there's so many like parallels with your story and like mine, by the way. Like uh, I've told this story before on on the podcast, so some people might like think that I'm like redundant with it. But like when I, I gave like my last thousand dollars to, to Brian, <laughs> like when he had his growth offer, I, you know, an agency and, uh, I like, it's kind of same thing as like, I was working a job and then they actually found out that they had the, that I had the agency and they're like, all right, you can either like do the agency or you can work with us. You can't do both. Um, so I went there and then I, you know, started my agency, gave my last thousand bucks to Brian. And the nice. leader, yeah, and that was like I'll never forget. It was uh, it was the day before Thanksgiving in 2017, and um, literally the next week was not only rent was due, but uh, I found out that my wife, or you know, at the time my fiance was pregnant. So it's like it's just massive, like kick in the butt that you like. Kind of, I kind of needed at the time because like before I was like kind of like dabbling and like making calls and whatever, but it was just like oh shit, like this is happening, like. I either make this happen or I can't afford diapers. Like that's yeah, exactly that's the ultimatum that you're in. So um, anyway, I just wanted to tell you that like there's a lot of parallels there. But one yeah. thing that you said about like the, you know, the the quote that you gave of just like having the mentality of like, I'm like the freaking best at, at this thing. Where where do you think for you that that came from? Like, is there, was there yeah. some specific? I think that's just an innate feature of myself. <laughs> it's okay. one of those things that like, me and then my younger sis, my youngest sister, my only sister, but the youngest of the family have the same thing. We're like, we just want to be better. And it's just this weird, like, I think it comes from just having like maybe the most competitive spirits of anybody I've ever met mm-hmm. in my life. And that might just be my competition talking, but <laughs> I feel like I'm also the most competitive. Yeah. Well, and and I think it's not, it's not even something that's like, uh, that I, that we haven't heard all in this podcast. And I think it's, it's funny because like, as you know, as like high performers, if you want to call it that, or like salespeople or whatever, it's like everyone has this like competitive spirit. And it's really, I think what, what sets the people apart of like the ones that like crush it versus the ones that kind of like are okay. You know, cause it's like, it's just, like you said, an inherent, like, I need to be the best at this. Right. It's like, same thing with me is like, anytime I, you know, we're on marketing meetings and someone's like, oh, your ad's not working. I'm like, fuck. And I want to go to do like nine more to make sure that I have reformed next time, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's, it's something that, that always lives there, but you know what's the weird thing about it though just to add on it yeah um i think that like that's definitely a function of like who i am but another function of who i am that almost seems completely uh counter to that is that like a lot of the time this is something i've been working on a lot lately but i have like a crippling insecurity about like my ability to perform at the same time so like i think i'm the best but also i low-key i'm like ah but what if i'm not good enough you know yeah and it creates this like interesting dynamic within like me to like kind of continue to push and grow and try to be better because it's like I'm scared of not being good enough. And so like I drive myself to be the best that I can. Yeah. And I think it's like it's it's this weird like paradox, but it it's been working in my favor anyway. Dude, it's it's literally the the exact same thing with me. Like I I know I, and I think it's just the fact that like I know that I'm good at what I can do and I know that I have like a good skill set. But it's again like that, that almost like 
you know, call it the the voice in the back of your head that's always telling you like, you're not good enough. You know, there's, there's other people that are better than you, but it's like, I think if that wasn't there, I, I wouldn't be here. You probably would yeah. be here, right? You would yeah. accept mediocrity or, you know, that's a, that's a, or a kind of intense word, but kind of the same thing. So one, okay. yeah, one other thing that you, that you said and why I asked like specifically, like, were you still living in the basement is because, I mean, you, you had, you had to leave the house, you moved into the basement and you were at this like relatively new job, but you still continue to invest in yourself when you could have, you know, used that 15K to then like move out of the basement. What was like, oh, I didn't have 15K, bro. <laughs> oh, what? I mean, but, but, but the other thing I know, about it, yeah, it was probably like a payment plan, but still it's like, to no, it was just credit. I just took out a big fucking line of credit, which is scary, dude. It was scary. And, but yeah. to your point, like the first thing I invested in, I, I, I used the money that we had been saving up to leave. Um, and for me, it was just like, okay, well, what's the worst that can happen? Right. And this is actually something I take people through when I'm trying to close them as well. It's like, think about it in this way. It's like, okay, let's say you don't do this. What do you, what happens? Okay. I go back to my shitty job that I fucking hate, that I work so many hours, I don't see my family, and I finally retire at the ripe old age of 70 because that's when I can finally afford to do it. Yeah. Right? That's like if you don't do this. Okay, now let's say you do this and you fail. What happens? You go back, you have 10K in debt, 20K in debt, like whatever the program you're investing in, right? Mm -hmm. But you go back to your shitty job, working your shitty hours, or you don't see your family, and you retire at the ripe old age of 70 because that's when you can finally afford to do it. It's the same fucking outcome. The only difference is if you actually think that what you're possibly investing to could get you where you're trying to go, now you have the chance that that looks different. And that's kind of like my mindset. And it was like, I was sitting there and I was like, okay, well, let's say I invest in this program and it miserably doesn't do anything. Let's say I only get 1% better. My income goes from 4K to 4,500. Okay, cool. Now I'm 15K in the hole. It's going to take me an extra four months to get back to where I'm at now. And then from there, I can get out in a year from now. Or this could go really, really well. This could 10x my sales skills. I can 10x my income and I can get out of here by fucking two months from now. Yeah. It's like, you know what I mean? Like what's what's better? What's, what's, what's the riskier thing? I feel like the riskier thing is not taking action when you feel like it'll work for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's the exact answer that I was kind of looking for was, or not answer, but just like, you know, that, that mindset shift and the difference between someone that's like, that knows that it's an investment versus a, uh, a cost, right? Like a lot of people, I feel like if they're not in that investment mindset of knowing like this money is for something that is going to make me better is they almost look at it as like an expense of like, oh, there goes another 1500 or 2000 or whatever the cost of the, the program is. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they either don't, maybe they don't believe in themselves or they just don't see it as, as that, that investment in themselves. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's huge. What was like, because I think a lot of people listening to this too, is, you know, you obviously have, have, have a wife and and kids now. What what was like the, I guess, conversations that you and your wife were having of like, oh, like I, like we can either, you know, we're, we're going to go move to this basement and I'm going to do the sales thing. And it's a hundred, like yeah. what were those conversations that you were having to like kind of have her on board too? Dude, yeah, I am just so blessed to have, the wife I have because like she is just the most supportive person that I've ever met in my life and she has like complete faith in like me doing the right thing that basically the conversation was hey uh, I know we're living in my mom's basement I know you're not getting along with my parents very well I know this isn't like the easiest thing for everybody here you know what I mean uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but the little bit of money that we've saved I'm gonna invest it into this pr- I, I'm, I didn't say I'm going to I said I would like to invest it into this program mm. because I genuinely believe that this is what we need to like not only get out of here, but like literally change the trajectory for like the life we've been on. Mm. And she was just like, what, like, if you think that this is what you need to do, then you need to do it. And I was like, all right, let's do it. And that's it, dude. I, I know a lot of people don't have that and it makes me sad. Like, it makes me really sad when I hear people, like, get kiboshed so hard where, like, they just don't have anybody in their corner and their spouse is like, no, you're not doing this. It's like, breaks my fucking soul, you know, just because, like, I know, like, how much it meant to me to have the support of her. But to be honest, 
it was my money. So I probably would have done it. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There, there's Matei coming out. Dude, that's, I mean, that's huge. And, and like, yeah, I think where a lot of people go wrong and, and a lot of this is going to come down to like your, your own self-reflection is if you're in, if you're in a relationship and your wife, spouse, whoever, like, uh, you know, partner, if they're telling you no, it's probably not because they don't believe in you. It's probably because there's like decisions that you've made in the past or, you know, uh, decisions you made in the past, but then also like haven't acted upon it. Right. I'm sure you guys talk to like a ton of people where like it's their 15th program they've jumped into and, you know, they've, they're in a ton of like a ton of debt. So a lot of times, like if you guys are like anyone listening to this is in that situation, whether it's remote closing or the next thing that you jump into, like just kind of look internally and figure out like, why is my spouse, partner, wife, whoever not as supportive of this? And what can you do to like, make sure that if you were to make your next investment, like more often than not, a lot of these courses, you're not getting scammed. It's just like, you're, you're scamming yourself, right? You're not yeah. doing things that you need to do to, to see success in those, you know? Yeah. Often I ask people on those calls is like, why, why would this be different? You know what I mean? Like I hear them, oh, I've tried this, I've tried that, doesn't work, doesn't work, doesn't work. It's like, okay, why would this why would this time be any different? I haven't followed through. Why would why would you follow through this time? Because like if you don't have that like big why, that big reason behind it, it's like, dude, you're not gonna no offense, but it's just not gonna happen. Like if it's like if you're comfortable and happy with like the next ten years looking like the last ten years, it's like you're not gonna grow. It's impossible. You have to first make that decision, like, hey dude, I don't wanna be here anymore. We want to make a change mm -hmm. and then it can grow from there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that could, that could definitely help, help a lot of people. Well, actually one, one last thing on that. What would you say to someone that, you know, maybe is in that situation? Like, like if they, they are in that situation where they're like, you know, my, my partner, my, my husband, my wife, my spouse, whatever, if they say, well, I, I just don't feel supported. What would you say to that, that person? Oh, what would I say to that person? Um, I mean, it kind of depends. Like, will this actually work for you? You know, I think nine times out of 10, when somebody is like not supported by their spouse, it's because they low key don't support themselves or they don't think that like they can do this. Like they don't think that this will work for them. So if you feel like it's the right thing and you can back yourself 100%, go sell your spouse. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that hard. If you're like, hey, I need to do this because I don't spend time with the kids. I don't get to see them because I'm working all day long. It's really important me to, for, to me to create these bonds with them because when I was growing up, I didn't have great bonds with my parents and it's super important that I don't end up the same way that my dad is. And I really think that this is gonna be the path that gets me from here to a place where not only can I do that, but I can spend more time with you. We can go on vacations. We can have a better life. And the reason I think that is X, Y, Z reason. And if your spouse doesn't support you at that point, like, I don't know. You got to do some internal reflection. We're, we're not, we're not relationship coaches. So we'll just, yeah. At that point you go see a, I don't know, relationship coach. If it's, if it's Matei, do it anyway. And just do it anyway. Just, dude, just go open like another credit card that they don't know about. And then just, just pay it off with the, what you earn in the program. But yeah, like, you're, if you're going to do that, you can't fail. You know what I mean? Like, so if you do that, like you got to make sure it works. And some people that like that helps them, you know, it's like they kind of need that like fire in their butt. But, um, okay. So let's now, now we'll, we'll fast forward a little bit. So you, you have the conversation with Mitchell and then Cole, and then you come on and then he tells you, okay, you're going to have to spend the next 12 months and it might not be like best, but you're going to learn a shit ton. What happened then? Yeah. So, well, I mean, I said yes. And, and that, that was like a big thing for me because, and the, I think the reason I did it is because the program that we're talking about is the remote closing Academy. And I was super intrigued by this idea of like people going through the same journey that I went through, but like in a condensed, more like intentional environment. So like this, this, this process that took me a year is basically getting going and like blown down into like two to three months. You know what I mean? And so I knew that I could talk about it with a ton of conviction because I was like, hey, like, I'm not the smartest, you know, tool in the shed. Like, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so, like, if I could do it, dude, like, you can do it. It's not that hard. Right. And uh, so I had a ton of conviction about the offer. I thought the offer was great. I've been through some of Cole's training. I knew his stuff was legit. So I was like, yes, 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 yes. That would definitely let me on your team kind of thing.
So I was the very first setter uh, for RCA and STA at the time. And dude, it was crazy because like I came in with like zero processes, like no systems, no nothing. It was basically like, here's our closer training, go set people. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Um, and so like, I, dude, it was basically just me figuring out like how to do shit. And then like a couple, like a couple weeks later, Jared came on the team and then it was just me and Jared for like the first four or five months, just like maybe three or four months, just like literally building systems, testing things, finding out what works, finding out what doesn't work, trying new copy, trying like, first I'm going to message them on Facebook, then I'm going to dial them. Then I, this time I'm going to dial them and then I'm going to message them. I'm going to text them. Like it was this whole thing. And we were just like trial and error, trial and error, trial and error, trying to fix fix it and figure out how it works. And we got pretty damn good, pretty quick. Jared had some setting experience, so he did better than me right off the hop. That's just because he, I was like a little behind in my experience. That's my yeah. that's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> that's only why. That's the only reason. <laughs> that's the only reason, dude. Other than that, I would have been better. <laughs> I gotta keep I gotta keep the uh the mind the mind rolling, you know? Yeah, exactly. Anyways, so we built all this stuff. We started getting really good. Um started making a bunch of money. Then uh, I was like, Brian, I want to be a closer. And he's like, I don't have space for a closer right now. You're not ready. I was like, okay, set, 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 set. Brian, I want to be a closer. Oh, uh, we now have space right now uh, and you're not ready. Okay, no worries. Set, 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 set. Hey, this guy could probably close right on this call. Hey, do you want to buy? Yes. Dope. Cha-ching, money in the bank. Set, 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 set. Brian, can I close? Oh, by the way, I closed somebody last week. I just gave it to Jacob, but really I closed that one. Oh, no, you're not ready yet. Okay, no worries. Head down, work, work, work. So like basically this was the this was the process. And uh and then I this like magical golden opportunity came on because they hired a closer who ended up not doing really well. And uh we were like 10 days away from the end of the month. And but no, we were two weeks away from the end of the month. And Brian sent me I called me while I was camping. And I was like, yo, what's up? And he's like, dude. Uh, this new closer is not working out. I basically just worked out all of our projection and our, our pacing for the month. And we'll, we're going to miss by 10 units. Uh, he's like, if I let you be a closer, can you hit 10 units in the next two weeks? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I can put me in coach. <laughs> and so he put me in as a closer. I smoked 10 units in my first two weeks. Um, homeboy went to be a setter and then he quit because he didn't like setting, which is understandable. It's hard to go from closing to setting sometimes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I and then I just became a closer, and that was pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, and it was just kind of like seize the moment. Like, you just got to do it. You just got to work your ass off. I was doing, like, coaching calls for free. Like, I wasn't getting paid for them. I was running two coaching calls a week. I was setting everybody. I would close people occasionally uh, so that when an opportunity came up, I'd be, like, the obvious choice. You know? It's like, oh, we have we, we are a closer. It's not working out. Like, who could we possibly put in and might make it work? Obviously, yeah. Matei. You know, who else is it going to be? And and that's and that's such a like a huge mindset to have, too, because I think a lot a lot of people are in almost like the inverse, especially like I mean, I, I won't blame it on like, you know, call it Gen Z or, you know, millennials or whatever you want to call it, because it, we're, you know, we're technically technically in that spot. But it's like I think a lot of people have that <clears throat> they bring the mentality of I deserve this and I should be able to do this because I've been doing this for a certain amount of time. And then when they like get the kind of the reality checks in they're like oh wait maybe i'm like not that good and i'm not like upgrading into it um so what 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 like what was the mindset for you as you're going through and you're like i'm busting my ass i'm busting my ass hey brian can i do this no nah, you're not ready like what i guess what kept you motivated between all those things and how yeah i guess what what drove you through dude i just i just wanted to win and i had my humble pie you know what i mean like me going from a place of being like a sales trainer and then like that that company disappearing and then starting in insurance and realizing that I actually suck. Um, dude, like I've, I've ate my humble pie, you know? Oh yeah. And so for me, it's like, I just sort of had this mentality that like, if I feel, if you feel like in, if I feel like I'm in the right boat, you know, I feel like I'm in the right place. Then all I need to do is like work my ass off and the results will come. Dude. Like I literally as a setter after like month three, I stopped looking at my commissions, commission, tracker before payday because I was like dude I know if I grind and I like bust my ass and I do everything I need to do like I'll, I'll make enough money like the money will come I'm not worried about it what I'm worried about is like become the best make a big impact so that it becomes obvious that like you should get the next opportunity and like you don't got to pay me that's fine 
I like I'd rather go in with the mentality of like, hey, I'll work for you for free for fucking six months. And then after six months, you pay me what you think I'm worth. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously don't work for free. But yeah. like, that's the mentality you have to have. Like I'm, I I did a ton of stuff that I wasn't paid for just because I wanted to make myself more valuable. The more you do, the more valuable you are, the more you leverage you have when you say like, hey, I want to raise or I'm going to go somewhere else. Because then they're like, oh shit, Matei does that and that and that and that and that. So we have to replace all that if he, we, you know, he goes like, yeah, you just have to build the leverage, you know? Yeah. I was, I was living or uh, living. I was uh, watching or listening to like a podcast the other day and they said something along those lines of. You know, someone asked the question, it was like a Q&A podcast, and they asked, like, you know, w- with the world where it is right now, like, everyone getting laid off and the economy and blah, 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 you know, how do you create, how do you, how do you make it to your, how do you make it so that you have a less likelihood of getting let go? And he said the very, very same thing. It's like, do so much stuff that you make yourself irreplaceable, and, like, it's a massive headache if they have to do that. Right? Yeah. More often than not, it's like the... The things that you do are bringing such a or making such a big impact that they're just like, I'm, I'm not gonna let go of this guy. Like that's that's insane. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever watch Survivor? Yeah. Yeah. At the beginning of the game, they don't let any dude. If you can like fish and you can like fucking make a shelter and shit, like dude, you get to stick around for a while. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that's a great analogy. You just gotta be that guy. Yeah. So well, what was the transition, I guess, after that point? So you're a closer, you were a closer. How long were you a closer? And then when did you? Well, yeah, so I was a setter for about uh, eight months. And then by month 11, so no, because I started right in January. So by November, I hit my first 10K month as a closer. And I was pretty hyped about that. Uh, and then I was a closer for another, probably like one, two, three, four, five, six-ish I'd say like six months or so. And then I started doing this like closer slash setter uh, manager hybrid role where I would like just basically train the setters that were on the team, make sure that they can get better, help them find like their workflow and all that kind of stuff while also closing deals. And then I did that for like two months and then I've transitioned full time into like a setter manager role, which is kind of cool because like now I don't have to take calls anymore. Just wouldn't want to. Yeah, I was gonna say like that's that's the 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 pull to that. So let me I want to take a step back um, and almost explain this to people too, because you know some people might not know anything that we're talking about. Uh, sure. With within like within this podcast, we talk a lot about the appointment centers and the closers. And the appointment centers obviously are the ones they get the inbound calls, whether it's through Facebook, through forms, whatever. They are then like messaging the actual prospect or getting on a call with them, and they're setting it for the closer. That's all we really talked to, uh, about at this point. The role that that Matei has jumped into is he now is able to like you need managers within those right when you you know when a team has you know more more setters right you can't just have a bunch of setters just kind of running around and doing their own thing you gotta have someone that kind of manages that so that's where Matei's jumped into so now what he does is instead of getting on calls all day long and trying to close them or you know trying to set appointments or anything like that he's managing the setters to make sure that they're doing their thing um, and that's kind of the the breakdown of that so um well i guess what what made you make the decision to i wasn't just the fact that like you didn't have to take calls is that like the main reason you you did that or like was there any other reasons um i don't know i like taking calls calls are fun i i'll still hop on sales calls if like if there's a closer running behind and like the setter needs somebody to jump on i'll hop on it's fun um so i enjoy calls i think for me it's just sort of like the scalability of it um, to be honest, like closer, being closer is awesome. And it's a really cool because you have a lot of like balance and you can set your schedule up and all this other stuff and you can make a ton of money. Um, and it's directly performance related, which is cool because you feel like you have a lot of control over your income. When I became a setter lead dude, one of the things that stressed me out the most is like, I could like see what was going on. I could see the problems, but I felt like I was just watching the Titanic go towards an iceberg and I'm like standing on a different iceberg and I'm like, yo, Turn the boat, you know. What I mean? <laughs> Turn the boat, but like the boat's just fucking going, you know. So you you do get like maybe like a sense of a lack of control uh, when your kind your income is kind of determined by like the other people and like them doing what you tell them to do. So that was kind of stressful, uh, and in hindsight, wasn't part of my equation. Didn't think about that. Um, would still do it again. But no, for me, it was more just like the scalability of it. I felt like I could probably take it further and I could 
develop a new skill set that I don't already have. Like it's real, like leadership management, not something I already really had. And so I thought, hey, if I can develop a new skill set, again, I can become valuable and I can open up op- open up to new opportunities, new doors in the future. So, because I know I can sell, I know I can set. So now like, let's learn how to lead. Taking like the next, uh, like that that next step. I I think one of the things I, I'm curious with you as well is, you know, anyone that's listening to this that, you know, some people might not know about closing, but then there's also a lot of people from just that are in RCA that, um, you know, that listen to this too. Do you have any like main thing? Let's, there's like, there's, let's say you're talking to a new setter, right? Someone that's yeah. just jumping on an offer. Is there any like main, call it tips or like things that someone should look out for to like crush it right away in their offer? Like, I mean, you're managing setters. So like, what do you usually tell someone yeah. for anyone on the team that dude, honestly for new people, they just need to like work. They just need to grind. Like what, especially with setters, it's all about like most setters come with not a lot of experience. And so if you're coming onto a new offer with not a lot of experience, you have to get experience. And the only way you get experience is by doing the damn thing. And so I have a lot of setters that come through that like they overanalyze everything. They try to be perfect. They try to like do it this way, that way, do it the right thing, try new stuff. But really like all I need you to do is like get on the phone with people. If your number one goal is like, how can I talk to the most people possible today? And then set everybody, dude, even if you feel like they're not qualified, just set them. And the reason is this, when you first start, you don't know who's qualified. You just don't have enough data for your radar to be any good. And so like, if you if you play God and you say like, oh, I don't know if this person is a good, good to set. Like obviously there's people that are like really obvious, you know what I mean? Like living in a van down by the river, like don't set that guy, you know? But other people, you know, that are kind of like, oh, I don't know, maybe, probably not. Just set them because you'll be surprised at how many people, how many of those people like find a way to make it work and close. And then like, if maybe your intuition is right and you get feedback from the closer, like, hey, that was a terrible call. Why would you put them on my calendar? And you can be like, hey, Matei told me to set people. That's kind of what I was thinking. Noted. Right. And now that's like, boom, one point of data. And the more points of data you get, the more feedback you get from the closers on all of your sets the more you can start to like hone in your radar on like who's a good set, who's a bad set. But if you try to do that too early without good data points, what ends up happening is you disqualify freaking everybody and then you have no sets. So you get no shows and you get no closes and then you get let go. So like, I would rather you communicate with the closers and be like, hey, the first couple, like this first week, I'm just going to basically set everybody that I'm on the fence about. Can you please give me lots of feedback so that I can like really gain an understanding of who's a good set, who's a bad set? Yeah, you know, and then from there you can adjust. Yeah, and one other thing too that I would even add to that—that's like a huge, like internal motivation—is because you talked about like you know if you if you don't do the things you need to do and you don't get sets and you get let go. But I think more importantly that too is like they don't get the positive association of like them getting sets. Yeah, you don't have any momentum. Yeah, and like if you're you know if you're a brand new setter, it's like that's when when you know one of the key like lag metrics is sets. You got to also remember that a good, uh, you know, lead indicator is the amount of outbound calls that you're doing, the conversations that you're having, right? So, you know, I think a lot of people have to remember that a lot of just getting good and it's not even just setting, it's literally anything. It's like you got to do it a bunch of times to to get really good at it. So what would you, could you maybe pinpoint like one or two of the biggest mistakes that you see setters make when- um, Biggest mistakes, especially when they're starting off, way over analyzing, like- they just, like I said, they try to find the best, most accurate way to do things. It's like, I just want you to do things. Okay. Just do it. Just pick up the phone, jump in the deep end. You know what I mean? People learn when you fail. You don't learn shit when you do well. You learn from when you make mistakes. You know, if you look at like any major learning lesson in, in, that's happened in your life, it's probably on the back of some sort of like big failure or like mess up. And so like, don't be scared to fail. That'd be the first thing. Like, the biggest mistake is people are so scared to fail, so scared to get let go off the offer that they like don't do anything. It's like, don't be scared to fail. Um, and then a second big mistake that people do, it's like they they overcomplicate the process. Like with setting, all you got to do is you got to figure out like, what's your problem? What have you tried to fix it? What do you really want? And then if like you can actually help them get to where they're going, you tell them that and why you think that. And then you suggest a call with the closer. 
Like, this is basically it. It's, like, not that hard. Obviously, there are specific questions you can ask to uncover those details, but at the end of the day, it's, what's your problem? What have you tried to fix it? What do you really want? If I can help you, let me tell you about it. Like, that's it. And so everybody always, like, overcomplicates. Like, what's my specific tonality on this one particular question supposed to be like? It's like, dude, how would you say it in real life? And that's how you should say it on the phone. You know what I mean? Yeah, something nothing different. And I think one, one thing to add to that suit, I mean, it's all the overthinking part of it, is when I, you know, when I had my agency, and I mean, we had a point, one point, we had like two setters. And I think a, a huge thing that I saw that they made the mistake on was trying to be the closer, right? Mm-hmm. Just giving way too much detail and like try to like, you know, sell the offer when, you know, what I always tell new appointment setters, you know, people that I've talked to, it's like, you shouldn't be trying to, don't sell the offer, sell the next call, right? Why, like, what can you say to them to help them understand that like the call, the call itself is going to be beneficial agnostic if they decide to move forward or not, or they want to know about the offer. Cause it, what happens is people start to like, the more that you complicate it, the more the other person's going to complicate it and they're going to have 100%. more questions. And then they get into this place in this limbo period of, because they have so much information, then they just get discouraged and like, well, like, I don't know if I want to call talk to them because it sounds complicated and whatever. It's like, like you said, if they just ask them, where are they now? Where do they want to be? What's holding them back? What have they like tried to do in the past to fix it? Like that's, yeah. that's all they need. Just at the next well, time. dude, that's the thing too. It's like a lot of the time, if you give too much information on a setting call, it's like you're actually doing the prospect a disservice because they don't have all the specifics, but they have enough to feel like they know everything. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to make a decision on whether or not this is what they're looking for before they even get on a call with the closer and find out what it actually looks like because they think they know, but they really have no idea. And so you do them a massive disservice by giving too much information. And so I'll tell people all the time, dude, if people have questions, leverage that as a reason for them to get on the next call. Yeah, that's huge. Right? Oh, like, oh, like, but how does it all work? What are all the specifics? Honestly, man, everybody's path looks a little bit different. So you should probably talk to John because he'll be able to put together like a customized path for you specifically and answer all your questions. Mm-hmm. Ta-da. Exactly. Got it. And it's funny because that like, even just hearing you say that it's, you know, I, I was doing a, a, a call with Cole the other day and it's like, that's his, his exact line too. For pretty much anything. It's just like, yeah, it's something when I remember when I used to do like setting calls, I would almost, I would almost like act, act dumb. Like I didn't, like I legitimately didn't know the answer because you don't got to answer a question they don't know the answer to, right? It's just you defaulted to be like, Hey, like, honestly, man, like I'm not hundred percent sure on the answer to that question, but you know, if you have a conversation with John, he'll be able to break it down step-by-step step for you of exactly what's going to look like for you. Right. And it's like, you know, another part of his confidence and conviction of like, we've done this a million times. So, you know, go out and do it a million times and you'll <laughs> be able to talk like the day. So, uh, dude, I pretended I was Cole Gordon for the first like six months. Well, I was, have you ever, I didn't call myself Cole Gordon, but like I borrowed all of his experiences and his tone out, his energy, because like, I would literally be getting on calls with business owners that weighed way more money than I did and like trying to figure out what their problem is with their business. I'm like talking to them like I know something about it. Like, I don't know, dude, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so like, I just had to like embody Cole. Like I was like, what would WWCGD, you know? Like what would Cole Gordon do? And then I would like say stupid shit and I would literally think to myself like, damn, would Cole say that? Probably not. Okay, I shouldn't say that next time, you know? And that's how I got better. I was just like, how do I be Cole? Yeah. yeah, we should get a, a shirt made made that just says like WWC percent. I'd be so I would put it on the, the with his face, like the animation, you know those animation the things cartoon. we have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I need to put that as an idea. Actually one um a book. Have you have have you read this? I'm sure you probably have. Yeah, hundred percent. I have it. Oh yeah, the yellow. Yeah, it's literally around that exact same concept of, you know, yeah. a lot of times when you when you first start is you don't have the confidence and you don't have the conviction. You don't know a lot of stuff. So it's like, how can you, you know, what's, um, what's this guy? I think Todd Herman, I think. Yeah, Todd Herman. Um, it's just like, how do you get into that state of you are somebody else, right? And, and being able to leverage and pull that experience from other other people. And that's also the cool thing about uh, remote closing in general is because you're not the, like, you don't actually own the business. You just get to pull from the case studies and the testimonials and really have that conviction of, you know, of, of being able to know that you can do what you say that you can do. So that's actually, that leads me to to another question that you talked about earlier. Um, I want to talk to anyone that's in like traditional sales. So 
real estate, mortgage, insurance, medical sales, like stuff like that. Um, because you, I mean, you were, you were in insurance sales. What would you say to someone that is like kind of on that fence of like, okay, I've heard about this remote closing thing or the high ticket industry and I'm doing insurance. Like what are some of the benefits that you've seen making the transition from, from one to the other? Um, the thing I like the most about selling in this environment is that like all the heavy lifting was done for me. You know what I mean? Like, because I have setters who are vetting out the leads and everything beforehand, it means that everybody I talk to is already like 50% of the way there. And so like, yeah, when I'm doing a selling, but it's not really because all I'm trying to find out is like, what, where are you at now? Where do you want to go? And like, why, why haven't you been able to get there on your own? And then I get to basically find out why that's important to them. And then just hold up a mirror at the end of the call and be like, who do you want to be, dude? You know? And so it's a lot of fun because it's all transformational. Like the, all the offers in this space are transformational, which means the client is here. They really want to get here, but they can't do it on their own. Mm. And so if you can be that catalyst, that bridge that like helps them to do it, it's freaking awesome because people are as scared as shit to like make a big investment in themselves, which like they should be if they haven't been able to get where they want to go in the past. Why should they believe in themselves to get where they want to go now? You know, mm. and they just need people in their corner, to be honest, a lot of the time. And so I love being like people's cheerleaders and like holding them accountable to the person that they said they want to be and like push them to take action instead of just like watching life pass them by like they have done all the way up until this point, you know? And so it's a ton of fun. And then it, what's the even cooler about it is when people message you like four or five, six months later and they're like, hey, I just wanted to thank you for like pushing me to take action and like invest in myself. Like I had this one guy that messaged me. I tell this story all the time some guy from, can't remember the country now, but I should probably ask him. Some, it's a South American country. Flew his mom out for Christmas. He was living in, in, uh, in the States. Flew his mom out for Christmas and he hadn't seen her in years. Mm. And he messaged me uh, like a couple of days before Christmas. I was literally shopping in like a toy store. And he's like, dude, I just want to let you know, like I flew my mom out for Christmas. I haven't seen her in years. Thank you so much. And like, I literally started crying like a baby. I got chilled, bro. This like, in the middle of this toy store <laughs> a couple of days before Christmas, you know? And so like, what other fucking offer are people going to thank you for making them spend like 10K on themselves? Like, get out of here. It doesn't exist. Exactly. Dude, it's it's yeah. funny. Um, one of our, our new video editors, uh, Ethan, he was editing, uh, just actually, I, I haven't showed it to you. I'll show you after we, we record, uh, but it's, it's pretty hype. It's, uh, it's basically an RCA event, like breakdown. And uh, I gave him a ton of, of footage to just kind of go through and, and, you know, put together something cool. By the way, Ethan, if you're listening to this, like completely exceeded my expectations. And, um, but one of the, the it was, he sent me this message, uh, like towards the end of the event, it was just a, a room of literally 150 remote closers, you know, people that are, they're doing really well or, or they're just getting started. And, uh, there was a part at the end of day two where literally we just, it was just a sharing session. And like, when I tell you, I was like, just holding this camera shaky as shit like crying like hearing these stories was insane because like you know when you when you hear people share what the impact that even if you had like a small like uh you know a small piece of that right they did the work at the end of the day but when when they come back and they say like yo you literally changed my life like i'm able to do blah blah blah, blah, blah now it's it's a crazy crazy feeling so yeah dude um, and it doesn't just impact them it impacts all the people that they're around and then that impacts all the people that they're around. And it becomes this like cool spider web of like impact. And that's how I like to think about it, dude. When I was selling insurance, I hated it because like I, I knew we could, you could buy insurance from somebody else cheaper. Um, and other than that, like insurance is all the same, in my opinion, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, and I, so I had like a very low amount of conviction. Plus I'm talking about people dying all day long. Like, no, thanks. You know, it's not fun. Exactly. And yeah. so like shifting into this industry has just been like game changer. Yeah, man, it's it's so huge. Like it, it, you almost have to kind of like artificially create this environment for that other person. When, when you're in like insurance, for example, you have to like artificially create this like fear and this negativity for them to buy, right? Mm -hmm. um, I I do. I, I was literally making an ad about this earlier too. Is I um this was like back in 2017. I sold solar door to door for like a month, <laughs> and it was terrible. Um, I hated lock, knocking the doors, but you know, granted, I I did learn a lot from knocking on doors and getting door slammed in your face. You know, getting used to rejection. But it's like in the whole sales, like solar sales process, is you're you're creating this thing of like you can save money 
but it's like they got to own the house for 25 years for them to even realize any of the savings, right? They just yeah, like yeah, yeah. front loading a lot of that that loan payment. So it, it's like that's that's the saving money over a 25 year period is what you would have to say to yourself to give you a little bit of conviction to like go in and make the sale as opposed to again yeah. this. It's like you wake up every single day. Like, I, I don't know about you, dude, but like, I'm sure it's the same. I wake up every day, like so freaking excited to make videos and like yeah. talk to people and scroll through school. And like, there's, there's no other feeling knowing that something that I could do today could very much impact somebody today. And that's, yeah, yeah it's, it's super cool, man. And it's all up to them, which is nice. Yep. It's all up to you, dude. Whoever's listening to this. Yep. You, you have, and listen. You have you all the power. You. It's up to you. You just got to <laughs> do it. You got to find yeah. the right You've got to find the right boat and then you got to just execute. That's it. It's easy. Yeah, dude. I want to be respectful of your time because I know we have probably two minutes here. So uh, we'll pr- we'll bring you on for another episode for for part two. I think people will love it. Hear the, the second iteration of, of the Mateys of the world. Um, So what I usually do here at the end is I want you to think of, I'll give you like 25 seconds while I do a little outro. Um, think of like one of the biggest tips or pieces of advice that you give to someone either thinking about jumping into, you know, remote sales or someone that's already in it that they could maybe pull out of this episode as like a golden nugget, we'll say. Um, Think about that and I'll do this real quick. So if you've been listening at this point, we've been talking for, I mean, 55 minutes, uh, one of the longer episodes, I'll say, which is uh, which is good. It means we got trapped in the uh, the conversation. But um, if you're listening up to this point, you're at least somewhat interested in remote closing and remote sales or even appointment setting. So uh, down below the first link, whether you're in the podcast app or the YouTube uh, YouTube channel, um, it's going to be a link to a quick video. Um, our you know business partners, Cole Gordon, um, he put together a video that basically goes over the entire process of what remote closing is, um, the steps that you can take to get started within the industry, and then towards the end of it, if you're like, hey, like this is cool, and I want to take you know a, that next step into you know improving my life and and finances and everything that comes with that, um, you know, there's an option to to chat with us, maybe even Matei, someone on the team and to, to bring you to that next step. But again, there's no obligation for any of that. It really just is a video. You can watch it, step away. And as long as you're taking some notes, you can you can get some pretty good stuff to just go out there and implement yourself. So all that being said, again, down in the YouTube channel, first link and as well as the, uh, the podcast app. So hopefully it gave you enough time. What you got? I mean, I don't, I don't know, man. You kind of put me on. Dude, I jammed you with so much thought. Don't tell me to think about this. No, okay. I got one. I got one. Biggest, I mean, this is the biggest thing. I tell this to everybody. At the end of the day, like if you don't bet on yourself, like nobody else should. And so I'm not saying go and do remote closing. I'm not saying go and do anything in particular. What I am saying is when you feel in your gut that like you have something, you have an opportunity in front of you that could literally get you what you actually want. The only person you're doing a disservice by not taking action is yourself. Because how you show up for yourself is how you show up for everybody. So bet on yourself. Be in your own corner. That's what I would say. That's my that's my big advice. Love it, man. All right, y'all. For again, once the, once again, those of you that are hanging out, make sure to click the links down below. Uh, dude, thank you so much for for jumping on here. Like I said, I think we'll uh, we'll definitely have another episode. We'll maybe do an in person at the at the event next next month. We'll have to batch it out. That'd be sick. We'll do a combo. <laughs> Yeah, man. All right, guys. Thanks so much for hanging out. If you uh, love this episode, then make sure to leave a like down below. You can't do a heart. YouTube only has likes. So leave a like, leave a comment, uh, maybe one of your biggest takeaways. And uh, that being said, Aaron here from the Remote Closing Academy podcast. See you guys in the next one. Talk soon. Video.